Welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You, a daily podcast that shines a light on the American justice system and its role in empowering the powerful to take from you. The justice system is the only branch of your government where an individual, rather than the collective, can make the system act for you. It puts power in the individual's hands, but it's broken and being used against you at a time when you need it most. And welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You. I am Sonia Ebron, co-founder at Courtroom 5. And I am Deborah Sloan, the other co-founder at Courtroom 5. Got a delightful show lined up for you today. In a few moments, we will speak with Frank Patka the Fourth. He is the executive director at Changing Patterns. It is an education, mentoring, and resources program for people returning home from incarceration. Very important work uh, going on there. So we'll be excited to to speak with him. Uh, before we get there, though, Deborah, what's on your mind today? Well, I want to talk a little bit about, I wouldn't call it a catastrophe because it's not their fault, but Southwest Airlines delays. I think uh, <laughs> there's a reason why they stood out more than, than than other airlines during this um d- during the this uh season of lots of snow lot of very very cold uh weather and for some reason they you know overbooked a bunch of flights and then they weren't able to get those flights out there were thousands of people who missed their flights and there were uh, you know just many many people who were whose uh lives were were uh, up, upset over um Southwest Airlines the delays i understand the weather and all that but i think there are a lot of people who are seeing seeing this as an opportunity uh, because um at, if you compare that to other airlines it's it's a little bit different and uh, I think that people are seeing this as an opportunity to to say, okay, was I how how fair, how was I treated? If somebody comes out really really angry, and uh, uh, Southwest Airlines didn't give them their uh, respect or the tickets or or uh, overnight lodging or ground transportation that they they said they would, I think there 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 are going to be some um, some some issues, some uh, legal issues in the court. And so I just wanted to just bring that up and and uh, just just basically talk about the uh, how uh, something like that can disrupt people's lives and how that can end up in court. You know, it's a really timely uh, subject for sure. And we've had uh, members of our team who were affected by that mess. So we've heard that luckily they, you know, got home uh, and, and, and were fine. But there are so many people uh, affected by this. And I think what folks should know is that there's airline customer service and they'll tell you what they'll do for you. And that's great. But that's not the last word. The Department of Transportation has regulations governing what they must do to for people in these situations. And that's not always, you know, on the uh, company's website. Right. <laughs> and so, it, you know, if you are stuck in that mess, you want to 
make sure that you're familiar with the Department of Transportation guidelines um, and requirements, right, for those airlines to treat you, you know, things like they've got to mm-hmm. buy you a hotel room mm-hmm. under certain circumstances. They've got to feed you under certain circumstances. You know, they've got to compensate you uh, monetarily if you, you know, if you reach your destination without your bags and it's an important that you have something in that bag, if you go and buy it, they've got to they've got to uh, they've got to compensate you for it. You know, those things again may not be on the company's website, and so folks <laughs> need to just be aware um, that they do have rights that are not necessarily defined um, uh, on the company's uh, website. So, yeah, I do hope everybody um, it, you know reaches home soon, and this disaster ends uh, sooner rather than later. There. Well, thanks for thanks for bringing that uh, to our attention. At Courtroom 5, we believe the courts belong to the people, in particular to the people who use them. And we, the people, are coming to claim our courts. So if you are in court without a lawyer or you need to sue someone and can't find a lawyer to represent you, get yourself over to courtroom5.com. Try a limited version of our services for free, and we hope to provide some relief for you there. At this time, it's my pleasure to welcome Frank Patka, uh, the fourth at Changing Patterns. Frank, thank you for joining us on Who Wrote That Up For You? Ladies, Deborah, Sonia, thank you for uh, having me here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the work you do. And so Changing Patterns, again, provides education, mentoring, a variety of resources for uh, people returning home from incarceration. Tell me what got you into that work? Uh, Yeah, great question. Thanks, Sonia. So in 2015, I was released from prison after doing almost six years for armed robbery. While I was in prison, I got I had an opportunity to um, have a mentor, a counselor who invested in me and really started to introduce me to ways of skills of self, self-analysis, honest self-analysis and self-improvement, and then how to apply these things. And so in that, in my last second half of uh, my prison term, I spent a lot of time participating in uh, what we call pro-social behavior habits, habits that benefit others in the community. And actually um, got to be part of some grassroots movements to um, encourage better communication and and pro-social behavior out of not only the prisoners, but um, the correctional staff as well. And during that time, um, I, I made friends with other individuals who are incarcerated, and we walked together in the process of our own personal change. And then we got released and returned back to the community as citizens. However, what I found was these, there was a difference in what happened that moment we released from the gate between myself and some of my friends who um, walked, that, walked that same path when we were in prison. And what happened was I, I ended up going through parole successfully. I got a job. I had a place to live. I had access to resources and and continued to build my life. Whereas some of my friends who also had made this commitment to change when they were in prison fell short. Some wound up going back to prison, some homeless, and sadly lost a few lives as well. And so once actually a a good friend of mine, Caleb, when he, uh, he committed suicide, it really kicked off this thing that what what w- I started asking myself, what was the difference between me and them? It's a long, long, uh, it's a, or as you say, a long told tale of opportunity and who gets opportunity, right? But opportunity is also something that's earned. And I found that what I had 
I earned this opportunity with the community here. Others hadn't. I struggled with it because I felt they had earned it too with the work they had done while in prison. Um, but when they got out, did not have that. Whether they didn't have family or um, the PO didn't give them a direction or they chose not to take responsibility for it. But I wanted to make sure that the opportunity, more opportunity was available for people to at least say no to rather than not have it all. And so we started Change Patterns locally here in Central Oregon for the purpose to connect individuals exiting the correctional system to resources. So one thing is um, a lot of people did not know where to find the resources. Or, I mean, if you've never gone to DHS to get food stamps or if you've never gone um, if you've never gotten a social security card or your, how to find your birth certificate, these are all resources available, but can be a little difficult, especially for someone who's never walked through that path. And so what we found is there are plenty of treatment. Well, there are, there's treatment facilities, there's transitional homes, um, there's um, employers who will hire, but what there's not is uh, someone who's going to connect the gaps between people getting out of prison and um, the resources they need. And for some, for me, communication is one of like my my strengths. I, I love talking to people and meeting people. And so for others, that's not their strength. And so they there's like that limit of getting to some of those resources. And so what we did is we positioned ourselves as kind of a hub spot for individuals getting out of uh, prison and who need those resources. And so we started to uh, our first thing was letting letting the local prison know there's a prison about 45 minutes away that release it's a minimum that releases the, the majority of people in our county here. And so we built a relationship with them, let them know that there's a there's a warm landing here called changing patterns. And if you get out and you are lacking some of the resources you need, come talk to us and then we can connect you who the right person is. We set up a mentoring program where we found that um through a lot of research, healthy, positive mentoring, one-to-one -one mentoring in that first six months to a year greatly reduces recidivism. Got it. Got it. Frank, I'm, I'm interested in the difference between you and some of your, your peers who were released around the same time. What If you've had a chance to think about it, that made that difference. Was it access to particular types of mentoring or, or resources that were available to you, sort of the things that you are making available through changing patterns, or was it something else? Uh, I think it's a combination. The human variable has quite a plethora of, of options to go on. I think in the beginning, one of the things I really promote is uh, successful reentry or successful transition from prison starts in prison. It doesn't start when you get out. I was, I say I'm lucky enough. I was lucky to have a counselor that was serious about investing in the people that he worked with, which is a rare thing in prison. And then also I was, I was hungry. I just spent the summer in solitary confinement and a summer in the bathroom is good enough to change anybody almost. So it was definitely ripe to take in some information. And um, so he, that, that timing right there was very important. And it was early enough in my sentence where I had time to prove to my family, uh, my community, that the change was real. As we know, like time, time, will, time will tell the truth. And so over time, uh, there were two things that happened. One, my family got to see the changes I made. And then also I took the investment and the mentoring that was given to me and applied it in my life. 
And so those two things were huge. And then, yeah, getting out, I had the opportunities. I had a place to live that I worked for rent for a year. So I didn't have to worry about like the payment. And then I, I had a job, I had transportation, I had access to healthcare, a bank account, this checklist, actually, there's a book where we, we just finished and we're, we're working on the publication of it, the Returning Citizen Survival Guide. But we have this checklist from housing, employment, transportation, and then you have food, clothing, and hygiene. And then we have healthcare, a bank account, some sort of documentation you need. And then last but not least, a uh, support system. So those things right there, anyone getting out of prison needs to have access to these in that first year in order to set that up. And I had access to that, whereas friends did not. And don't get me wrong, some of them made decisions that they shouldn't have. Okay, we, we have to be responsible for ourselves and we're, we're not victims here. We need to be responsible for your life. But sometimes just having one or two people to, to lean on, to talk to as a mentor is huge. And for people who, there's people out there who don't have family anymore or don't have, you know, they burned all their bridges. That doesn't mean they can't change and that doesn't mean they might not want to, they might want to. And so I think for a few of them, that was a big part of it is they burned a lot of bridges and didn't have someone to talk to and didn't ask for help either. But yeah, but that's on them. And also, but the thing is, there's this other piece that there's POs out there who aren't interested in helping. There are a amount of resources in some communities. And a lot of times people getting out of prison are not the first choice for people. Right, right. Absolutely. What are some of the challenges for people who are being released and don't have access to, to these sorts of resources? What, what is the experience generally for them? challenge is um, housing. Housing is the big one. When it comes to finding a place to live, you know, if, if you've got a community that is growing and there's not, and you have two people, two choices here, one, someone who has a back, criminal background and someone who doesn't, I mean, justifiably, they tend to lean that route for someone who, who doesn't have a criminal background. Employment has been a different issue. It passed, it has been an issue, but at least in Oregon, it's changed quite a bit. We've made some progressive changes as far as removing the felon box off the application. And in a time of labor shortage, we're getting a job is a pretty easy thing for people now. But a big part is um, housing. That's always the new places to go, hobbies, like uh, extracurricular activities. So what do you do when you're in your downtime? For people who have been in prison, there's a, there's a dependency that's created when you've been in prison, right? So you're told where to go, when to eat, when to go outside, when to go to your call outs, all this stuff in that schedule. And so it, it creates a routine, but it creates a bit of a dependency. Then all of a sudden you're let out and you're told, go see your PO this time, go get a job in these treatment places. Other than that, what do you do? And so finding... Maybe it's a softball club, a bowling, there's usually drinking and stuff, but like finding healthy places to hang out is a huge challenge. One, because there's not, there's limited access. If you're not allowed to be around alcohol, you might not be able to go except bowling. But then the other part is the, the fear of walking into a room full of strangers and going, hey, I'd like to be friends with you guys. And by the way, I just got out of prison. 
So that those are two those are two really really big challenges. And one, the housing one is a is a huge thing. I mean, we've got homeless issue as well. That's beyond just people getting out of prison. But the um, the community reintegrating back in the community that can be solved with a mentor. That can be solved so so much with a mentor. Got it. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. And so you mentioned that you had access to uh, mentoring and some of these other resources before you left uh, prison. Is Changing Patterns able to do uh, provide some of those resources to people who are currently incarcerated as well? Currently, we are. Our focus now is bringing funding towards getting this book and the work program into the prison. So yes, yes, to answer your question on that. Howard, before we were trying to work on developing a, a mentoring inside program that was right before COVID hit, COVID happened and really things as we've been starting to pick back up during COVID, I wrote this book and we've been working on this program that kind of goes along with the book to prepare people for reentry. And our next idea, we're partnering with WorkSource in our government kind of employment agencies called WorkSource. And we're partnering with them to get this workbook into um, prisons to, to individuals when they're six months to the gate. That's our main focus right now is how do we get this into the hands of individuals before they get out? Because like I said before, reentry starts, successful reentry starts before you get out. Absolutely. And so someone is released from uh, prison and they are lucky enough to hear about changing patterns and reach out. How do you help them at that point? Right. Currently, right now, we're going to I'm going to connect them to the resources that are available as a company ourselves. We're not we're not providing any specific resource, um, although that reminds me, I'm going to have to talk to someone pretty quick. We um, used to have this thing called the moving forward group, and it would be a welcome home. Basically, we're offering anybody who got out of prison. We're going to buy breakfast, come to our local uh, restaurant here called Jake's Diner, and um, we're going to buy you breakfast meet with you, talk to you, see what, see how you're doing, welcome you home, kind of get, get a feel for where you're at, offer a basically a, a um, eval and assessment, however you want to call it, that you can fill out. And if you want, come back next week. So that would be on a Saturday. Come back next week with that filled out. And if you're interested to participate, then we're going to connect you with a mentor. And then based on the, based on the checklist items that you're in need for, we're going to connect you to our partner organizations. And so I'm glad you asked that because it's saying it seems to be about time we kick that back up again. That's great. I absolutely hope you do. You know, I've heard you say that uh, succeeding as a returning citizen really requires a, a personal commitment. T tell us more about that. Yeah, thank you. That's our that's our bread and butter right there. The workbook we're um, putting together really takes this analogy of um, your mind is a garden. The book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill was a huge influence in me, my life. And uh, he talks about your mind as a garden. And so I've taken that and really expanded upon it to, to these three parts. The first is the seed of your garden, the seeds you plant, your personal commitment. And your personal commitment is the direction you want to go in your life. So right now, my personal commitment in life is to put prisons out of business one book at a time. Our personal commitments, though, for some might be a big, giant goal, 10-year plan. For others, it might be just successfully getting off parole. So we take that and that's your seed. Those are your seeds. And the personal commitment, it has to be yourself. It has to be yourself. You can't make, you can't, someone else can't make this because when times get tough, there's going to be, there's, you're going to be tested. And that's what I found is when I'm not, when I haven't made that commitment to myself, then I'll waver. 
But if you have, if I have that commitment, that becomes my filter. Does this help or hurt me in my fulfilling my personal commitment? And so it starts with that. So that's the seeds of the garden. And then um, you can't plant plant seeds in a garden that in soil that's hard or clay or full of weeds. And so we got to cultivate our garden. And the soil makes up our habits. And our habits are um, what uh, what what our seeds grow from. And we call we we have this concept called habit trend. Is your habits taking you in life? Is it taking you up? Is it taking you down? And so as we as you go through this process, you've got this commitment that you're going to make. Now you've got the soil of habits that we need to replace these habits that are trending down with habits that are going to help us trend up. And then we follow with part three, which is the routine lifestyle. And that's, that's the irrigation. That's what we feed our garden with. And um, what I've come to find out, and it's been proven time and time again, people with a routine of positive, healthy habits are successful in what they're in their direction. And um, that's our kind of foundation that we're building on the internal side. And then the checklist is the external. We want, we want them to take this personal commitment and this garden that they cultivated internally and help them successfully achieve this checklist so then they can step forward and move on from this life of parole and be a returned citizen. Exactly. You know, Frank, I think the work you're doing is so, so very important. I wish you uh, continued success with it and growth. Uh, I'd love to see your book in every prison until it shuts them all down. Absolutely. I'm going to uh, share your website uh, on the screen for our viewers. That's changingpatternsinc.org. Uh, where can people uh, help uh, help your organization grow? Or do you take donations? Or how are you how are you um, uh, funded? Yeah, so right now we are funded by locals who are really believing in this cause. Um, we're working on uh, partnering, like I said, partnering with uh, the local government here to um, access some grants for funding. Um, but yeah, if you go to the website, you can um, connect with us, sign up, contact me there. Or if you want to contact me directly, it's frank, F-R-A-N-K, at changingpatternsinc.org, just like the website. Um, and we can connect you to the, to the right right places. Excellent. And where else can people find you online? Uh, yeah, so we have a Returning Citizens Survival Guide uh, Facebook page that we're um, getting kicked up. And then also, I believe, on Instagram as well. And then I have um, Changing Patterns as a Facebook page as well. Excellent. Frank, thank you so much for the work you do. Um, again, wish you continued success, and we will track your progress and have you on again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you, Deborah, for the time. Thank you, Frank. Fantastic. That is extraordinary. So, Deborah, what's the winner of yesterday's uh, quiz or the last quiz? And what do you have teed up for us again? Well, it was easy. It was a true or false. True or false, you always have a right to appeal an adverse ruling in your case. That is false. What most people probably think that they have a right to an appeal, but you don't. Uh, you have a right, uh, typically I have a, a right to a direct appeal at the end of a case and there's a judgment at the end and it's a final and you have a right to that uh, typically. In the middle of a case, if a judge makes a ruling that you're not happy with, you don't have a right to an appeal, but you can try to, uh, especially if it's an, something egregious, you can, uh, you can uh, do something, something called a, an interlocutory appeal where you're appealing, um, where you're writing uh, rather than 
a notice of appeal, a writ of certiorari. So there, there is a way that you can appeal, but you don't have a right to one. All right. Next question. Today's question. A successful blank can end your case on its merit when no genuine issue of material fact exists. Is it a motion to vacate? A notice of appeal? A motion for summary judgment? Or a motion to dismiss with prejudice? Which one of these fill in the blank? All right, until next time. I love those questions. I'm looking forward to seeing the answer to that. That is fantastic. Just thinking about Frank's work um, and, and others in, in that space, there's nothing really more important than lived experience. You know, right. um, he, he took a very difficult circumstance and mm-hmm. recognized his advantages and the success that he was having and wanted to help other people enjoy the same success. I mean, I think that is so important and valuable. And what's what's interesting to me is that that kind of work, there's so many um, experiences that are difficult uh, that can be turned into there's the sort of valuable work that he is doing, you know, and I just I just I, I often just want to encourage people to think about what they have in their experience that mm-hmm. can be shared uh, with others to make uh, other people experiencing the same thing have a, have an easier time of it. So just really I'm grateful for for Frank and the work he's doing there. Exactly. People with passion for what they're doing and they're helping people like that. I just love it. I just love it. Yeah, it, exactly. It's it's uh, it's good. It's good for the heart. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's all we have for you today. As always, thank you for joining us and we will see you again uh, next time. Are you feeling beleaguered, angry or afraid as if things are spinning out of control? and you're powerless to stop them, it's easy to just let things slide and hope they don't get worse. But they often do get worse. The thing is, you're not powerless. Our courts belong to us, and their purpose is to give power to the powerless. Don't let your grievances pile up without redressing them. You can handle this in court, or... If someone takes you to court, you can take them to school.